Thank you very much. Good morning, Arbor. Guys, I'm, I'm super excited to, to be able to do this, guys, because I'm celebrating two firsts, and obviously the first one is this is my first sermon to preach for you guys. Super excited for it. Thank you. But I do want to be able to do this again, so I need you guys all to fill out the connection card and say that this is the best sermon you have ever heard. Like, I, I know I haven't said anything yet, but I want you to fill it out and say, like, I'm pretty sure I just got saved because of that sermon. Like, even if it's bad, please just do that. Uh, celebrating my first sermon, but I'm also celebrating my first Father's Day. You know, so happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room and the father figures, and happy Father's Day to my own dad here. But guys, like, I've celebrated Father's Day, but this one's mine. I get to celebrate this. I don't know what it means, but I did go golfing yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I, like, hit the dad obligation. I terrible, so don't invite me golfing, but I, I get to celebrate Father's Day, and here's a picture of my son, good-looking kid, best little, best smile, it's not showing, picture of my son, there's a picture of my son, greatest smile in the world, I feel bad for all other kids because of that, guys, he's the greatest, like, he, right now, he's at an age where uh, when I'm in a room and I'm talking, he's looking for me, just looking around. And when I finally make eye contact with him, he has that smile. It, yeah, it's, yeah, he's, he's incredible. I love being his dad. But I will say this, that smiling, that personality, that's very new. That started happening a few weeks ago. Up till then, it was very hard to connect with him. I, I've heard dads hold their, their, their newborn baby and go, there was this, this, this instant connection. Not the case for me. <laughs> Not at all. I, I would put them in like uh, uh, the, the rock and play or mamaru, whatever funny name these, these seats for babies are. And I'm looking at them going, hey, buddy. Hi. And doing those like weird noises that are only appropriate in this setting. I'm like, you know, no, I'm right here, man. Hi, guy. I'm your dad. No, you're not looking at me. I'm your father. Look at me. He would not look at me. And it made me feel invisible. Like I'm trying to talk to him like, I got, I got amazing words for you. I, I'm going to raise you. And it's like my words do not matter. And it makes me think that maybe God can feel the same way about his words. And that's what we're talking about today. We're in a series called Savor, and we're defining Savor as intentionally remembering the good things that God has given us. And it's been an awesome series. We've talked about savoring salvation. We've talked about savoring peace. Last week, uh, Pastor Garrett did an incredible job at savoring rest. And I get to talk about my favorite thing in this world, and that is savoring God's word. I love, love talking about God's word. I, there's two things in this world that I can spend hours on talking to people about. It's theology, the Bible, everything related to the Bible about God. And the second is the NFL. And, 
And usually I do a really good job of combining those two conversations together. But I love this word because I feel like if you take me away, you take away the, the worship team, you take away the walls, this building, this is what we have. We have God's word, the words that he has given us. So we know, like, we're, today we're talking about savoring God's word. And we can say that God's word is, is the best-selling, the most quoted, most published, most circulated, most translated, most influential book of mankind. But in our lives, here at Arbor, can we say it is the most savored? Now, I can stand up here and say, savor God's word, and you can usually say, well, duh. Like, what are we learning next week? And hopefully he's better than this guy. Don't put that on the connection card, please. <laughs> but you can say, duh. But here's the reality. One out of five Christians read their Bible daily. One out of five. That number needs to change. Like, this, these are God's words. And we have them daily. But only one out of five of us are in it daily. And you can say, duh. But I feel like, I feel like there's this thing that we do, which I call spiritual depression. And, and when we're in spiritual depression, we go to the Bible. Because if you were here a month ago, Pastor Neely said this. You can talk to a student and ask a student, what is the best way to connect with God? And their answer is, go to church, pray, and read your Bible. So we can say, duh, and we get into this spiritual depression, and it's kind of like going to the gym. So those of you who are, are, are gym goers, you have a gym, you know January is like the worst time to go to the gym. Because you have these, these, these New Year's resolutioners, and they're packing your gym, it's making all the machines packed, and you're not there, you don't like going because of all the people. But eventually, February, March, your gym is back to normal. See, we do that with God's word. We get in this, this spiritual depression, we're like, we need to read God's word, and we're going, we're going, it's going great, it's going great. But eventually, it just stops. But these are God's words. We need to savor them. This is the problem. God's word is revered by many, but it's only read by a few. His word is revered by many, but only read by a few. And I believe in order to savor this, in order to savor God's word, the words that he has given us, we have to be in it. It needs to soak in us. It needs to be feeding our soul. This needs to be the thing that we're in daily. But see, our Bibles can look like this Bible here. Now this Bible is a, it's not, sorry, that Bible there. That Bible on the screen is a 300-year-old Bible at the, the Bible college that Hayden, the worship leader, and I went to school at Boise Bible College. That Bible is really cool, but here's the thing. You can't touch it. You can't open it. You can't read it. Uh, we're at a school that is teaching us how to be in God's word, to read God's word, to soak up God's word. But you can't do it to that one right there. And it drove me crazy because all I wanted to do was touch that Bible. 
Like all I want to do is like open it and read like what did John 3.16 sound like 300 years ago. But we're not allowed to touch that one. And it makes me think, like how many of our Bibles look like that one on that screen? Like we, we put it on our shelves and it's super nice. I mean, we picked out like the best cover, like the good cover. My name's on it. Super cool. I hope somebody asked me like where I got it because I'll tell them so they can get one but it just stays there. We don't open it, we don't use it. Or the Bible app on our phones. We have the app, but when is the last time that we've opened it? And some of us could, and I fall into this, some of us can bring our Bibles to church, put it in our car, and the next time we're in it again is the next week when I go back to church. See, this is revered by many, but it's read by few. And I feel like that God feels like he's talking to newborns. So God is talking to us like, hey guy, how you doing? Here are my words, but no, what are you looking at? No, I'm right here. Here's my words, I'm your father, look at me. I feel like when it comes to God's word, we can act like newborns. But God is speaking to us. The words in this book, these are God's words word. And I know what you could be thinking. You could be thinking, well, I've never heard God's voice. But there's a scholar, W.D. Mounts, who said this. He said, to read it is to hear God speak. So I know, Arbor, I know that it can be difficult because the conversation can feel a little one-sided. But here's the reality. The person who can really feel like this conversation is one-sided is God when he spoke these words to us thousands of years ago, but only one out of five in it. That needs to change, Arbor. We need to change that. We need to start the change because here's the reality. When God speaks, it is usually powerful. It's usually a powerful moment. God spoke the earth into creation. God spoke to Moses and his people were delivered from the Egyptians. God spoke to his prophets in order to talk to his people. And when Jesus was baptized, you see, you see the, triune, the, the Trinity all together and the heavens opened and there was a voice that says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased with. When God speaks, it's powerful and God is speaking to us and we can be in it daily. We can hear God's voice daily. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you the main point. I'm gonna answer why we should savor God's word. So in case you, you have to leave, in case you uh, fall asleep because I'm doing a terrible job and you have to pick up your kids or maybe you feel like this is the appropriate time to go get a cup of coffee and you fill up your coffee and you're about to come in the auditorium but you see somebody you know, start having a conversation and then you get out of that conversation but then you see somebody else you know and then next thing you know, music's playing and people are exiting. Uh, or maybe you have to do what the coffee makes you have to do. I'm going to give it to you right now, the main point. Why we should savor God's word? We should savor God's word because it is both living and life-giving. I want you guys to hear that again. This word right here, it is both living and life-giving. God's word is living, and I love this. That means God's word is continuously speaking to us. Like his 
His words didn't end when this was created. It is continuing. He is speaking to us daily. Matthew 24, 35 says this. Heaven and earth will pass away. Like heaven and earth, it's all going to pass away. But my words will not pass away. God's word is living. First Peter says this, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, sorry, our flesh will wither and the flower fails or falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, and if you want to open your Bibles up, that's where we're going to be right now. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, I love this verse. This, this verse is normally used to talk about how Scripture has no errors, the, the inerrancy of Scripture. So you can open it up, but we do have it on the screen. One of my favorite verses. It says this. Paul writing to Timothy says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good word. Now I want to give you guys a little bit of context here. Paul is writing to his, his uh, student, Timothy. Paul is in prison right now. He's writing to Timothy, who is right now leading the church in Ephesus. And what's going on right now in this area is there's a lot of false teaching. There's these people who are teaching a different gospel, not teaching the same gospel of Christ. They're uh, denying the authority of the apostles. So Paul is writing to Timothy to keep him encouraged and keep him on the same track. And he writes this, and I absolutely love this imagery. So he says, all scripture is breathed out by God, that it is God breathed. I love this word and I love the image that it brings up because I, one, I think Paul made up this word. You can't find this word anywhere else. But when he reads it, I, this, this amazing image comes to my mind and it's two Bible stories when God breathed his air. First one is just the forming of man. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, then the Lord God, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. God's word is living. God, as he was forming man, created it from dust. He was there, but he didn't have life until God breathed his air into him. Thus starting the question, did Adam have a belly button? And I'll leave you guys with that question to really, to really discover it. But it took God's breath to make a living creature. And the second, the second story is, is the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel. And God gives Ezekiel uh, uh, an image, a, a vision, and he's seeing this valley of these just dry bones, these dead bones. And he tells Ezekiel to prophesy that these bones would be living again. And here's the story. It says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, which is like tendons and cartilage. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, 
Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may, be, they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. They didn't have life until God's breath came into them, and God's word has his breath in them. God's word is living. And I don't believe, I really, I don't believe that God breathes into something without a purpose. So picture this with me. There's parents in this room, some dads in this room. You have all had to experience this before, where there's your kids or a kid, they want to go into a pool or a lake, river, whatever it is, and you feel like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the best dad right now. I am going to, to put air into this flamingo floaty or, or ho- horse floaty thing, and you grab it, and you're just... Until you get that, like, you know, tingling jaw sensation right here and just... Until, you know, an hour goes by and you finally get this thing ready and it's all prepared for the kid and you notice them just not even using it. Just throw it off to the side. You feel a little hurt. I mean, you put your life into that thing. Your breath, that was your hard work, and it's not getting used. It's like when you, you give a kid a gift, and you build the toy for them, and you find out that they just like playing with the box. Like, feel like time's a little wasted. In church, God, when he breathed his life into his word, it is to be used. It is to be read. It's supposed to be more than revered. It is supposed to be read by many. And Paul says this, Paul says, all scripture, as it's breathed out by God, as it, is, as, it is, as it is living, he says it's for our benefit. He says it is profitable. It is beneficial for us. How? Why? Why is it for our benefit? Well, Paul says it is our, for our benefit, for teaching, for reproof and correction, and for training in righteousness. It is for our benefit, for teaching. And Arbor, that is why I do what I do. Because I, I know that this, this has benefit. When we hear it, when somebody's teaching it to us, when we learn, it has great benefit for our life. It is profitable. That's why I love teaching our students because if that number is correct, I have 20 minutes a week to teach our students God's words. And that could be the only time they hear it. I have 20 minutes a week to make a lasting impact with God's word in their life. Jake has 30 minutes. And I'll admit, sometimes Holy Spirit goes a little bit longer. But we have such a short amount of time to make sure God's word is, is beneficial for us, like it is. It is for our benefit for teaching, and it's for our benefit for reproof and correction. And I gotta be honest with you guys, I would be lost without God's word. I'm, I'm the type of guy, it's a little annoying, a little needy, that really needs some like validation to make sure that I'm going on the right path. Uh, right path. I don't like to fail. Don't like to fail, I don't wanna fail, so I'll ask a lot of questions on the way when I'm doing anything new for like the first time. Like, 
Don't want to fail. Like, I'm the type of guy that, I'm married now, so, you know, it doesn't happen, but when I was dating, I'm the type of guy that when I would kiss a girl for the first time, I would hand out a, how am I doing survey? <laughs> I don't, don't want to fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, should, um, you should honestly, honestly pray for uh, Pastor Jake and his patience because when I got hired here and I was starting the, the Arbor students, Jake said some nice words. He's a nice guy. He's a great guy. He was like, hey, Brian, I would love to help you along the way. Anytime you just want to stop by the office, just come in. Just, I would love to help you. And I did. A lot. Guys, I'm not even kidding. I'd probably go into his office over 10 times a day. And it's, it was more like this. I would knock on his door like, hey, you busy? Cool. Hey, man, I just, I have, I have an idea. Um, should we get a foosball table? Something simple. It's something I could easily, like, figure out myself. And a lot of times, you know, Jake's on the phone. Like, I knock and Jake's on his phone. And he's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll wait. <laughs> Who are you talking to? I'm more important. But guys, like, <laughs> should pray for him. Um, and I would go there a lot until I seen this sign on his door one time. <laughs> Now, that was for the whole staff, but I'm pretty sure that that was with me in mind. Because <laughs> I, need, I need the reproof and correction, and I'm so thankful that God has given us the, the, the means to know if we're living like Christ, how we can live like Christ, what in our life that we need to work on to make sure that we are doing it. So it's for our benefit, for teaching, for reproof and correction, and this last one is so great. It is training in righteousness. And I love how he wrote that training in righteousness because it means that it takes discipline. That it takes discipline. It doesn't come easy. And a lot of times that discipline is just getting over our excuses. The, I don't have time to read. The, I don't like to read. Or the, it's a little confusing I'll just have the pastor teach me on Sunday. You see, it's for our benefit. We need to have the discipline in order to do it because that one out of five number is scary. Could you imagine what our world, what our church would look like if we can say that we are five out of five, 100%, we're in God's word daily? Because we got to beat that number. We have to change that number, and it should start with us. Because God's word is living. He breathed it out for us, for our benefit. The benefit for teaching, the benefit for reproof and correction, the benefit for training in righteousness. But I think the biggest benefit is this, that God's word, as it is living, God's word is life-giving. God's word gives life Hear this, when we, when we breathe in the words that God breathed out, it gives us life. When we breathe in the words that God breathed out, it gives life. John 17, 8 says this, and this is, the context of this is Jesus is speaking, is praying to the Father about his disciples, his people. And he says this, 
for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. And John 20, 31 says this, and I, I love this. John, John is explaining why he wrote the Gospel of John. And he says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In 2 Timothy 3.15, and this is the verse right before the all scripture is breathed out by God. Paul writes this, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Church, these words, God's words, the words that he's speaking to us, they give life because cover to cover, these words are about Jesus Christ. Cover to cover, this is talking about how man, how man, we are sinful people, that there is a problem, that there is a sin problem, but there is a solution, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that he came here died for our sins so that we can have eternal life with him. That's what's in this book. And I tell you, that sounds like a good read to me. But only one out of five is doing it. Church, this is about Jesus. And here's the reality. Eternal life is one page away. It is one page away for this world. This book is life-giving. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to just stand up here and tell you, savor God's word, good luck, have a great Sunday. Hopefully, it's a good Father's Day. I don't want to do that without helping you along the way because here's the reality. God's word is confusing. God's word is a little difficult. I went to Bible college. I'm like thousands of dollars in debt to this book. I mean, my debt is a lot bigger than that. But I'm still learning new things. It's still a little confusing. So I don't want to just send you out and hopefully you can do it yourself. So I'm going to point to you, point out to you is a thing that we have here at Arbor, and you've heard it before. It is our grow tools, which you can find in the connect wall on the back. And this is a way that you can grow on your own, that you can read scripture outside of these walls. Because if Sunday is the only day that you're in God's word, Jake likes to say this, it is like being fed a spoonful of rice and that sustaining you for the rest of the week. It is just not enough. So this is the way that we can dig deeper into God's word and not just revere it, but actually read it. So it's, a, it's an acronym that we use. It's a, the acronym is SOAP. I don't know why it's SOAP. I think it's because like you can scrub and wash away the, your sins with God's word. Oh no, that's my first father's day, like my first father's joke or dad joke. It'll get better, I promise. New dad, like give me, give me some grace, guys. Goodness. But the acronym is SOAP, and the first letter is S, which stands for scripture. And the question you can ask yourself is this, what am I reading? Because this book right here, a lot of people tell you, and it's true. This book is, is a collection of 66 different books. And what comes with that is each book is a little different. There are narratives, there's poetry, there's letters, there's commands. 
So when you're in scripture, ask yourself, what am I reading? And the next is O, which is observe. And that's just asking the question, what do I see? So this is where you get to have fun. This is where you get to highlight, mark all over your Bibles. Unless you're like me and a little OCD and you don't like drawing on this thing, you can have a little notepad and put your observations there. But it's what do I see? What pops out? What's repetitive? What do I like? What maybe one day I'll tattoo on my body. Like what, what pops out? And the next is A. And the, this is apply. And this is what is the timeless truth? What is God speaking to me? What application do I get from this? What can I put legs on? Because there's something in each verse that we can use in our life. These are God's words. They mean something. And the last is P, which is pray. Continue the conversation with God. Don't let it be one-sided. Let it be a two-sided conversation. What can you pray to God with? Because church, this is, this is God's word. And he is speaking to us. He's speaking to us daily. Let's respond. Let's be in this. Let's savor the words that he has given us. Because these are living. This is breathed out by God. This is his breath in this book. The same breath that you have in your life is the same breath that was put into this book. It is living. And it gives life it points to Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need me some Jesus. I need me some Jesus every day. And this right here, this is pointing to our Savior. Somebody that we get to glorify. Somebody that we get to be, that we get to read about and see daily. Church, let's savor this. Because here's the reality. This book honestly has changed my life. Man, you... I'm telling you right now, the man that you would see on this stage before this book really started speaking to me is a man you would have hated, to be quite honest with you. Like, I tell people all the time, if it weren't for this word right here, I would not be married to my amazing wife. <laughs> this book, this book has helped me in so many ways. And here's the amazing thing. I learn something new each time I dig into this word. Every time I'm in it, it's humbling. Something stands out to me. I, I don't know if you guys are like, it's like, you know, when you watch a movie for the 10th time and you're like, I've never noticed that before. That happens every time I read this book. Something pops out to me. I mean, just this last week, Jake comes into my office and Jake's like, Brian, I have read something that I've read my whole life and I've never seen this before. And I'm like, wow, this must be really good because you're showing emotion and you never do that. But... <laughs> But he points it out to me, and here's the crazy part. I'm like, I've never noticed that before. And so we, got a, we had a fun conversation. This thing pops out. So I spend the next 30 minutes to an hour researching this. And I'm not going to tell you guys what it is because Jake's preaching it next week. So if you want to hear it, got to come back. So I'm leaving that with you, that little tease. But I start researching it. So I'm in it for about 30 minutes to an hour, and I'm super excited. And I'm telling Jake, like, dude, this is what I've learned. And he looks at me and goes, yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm like, yeah, me either. That was, who, who would think that? Guys, this, this, this is incredible. And I, I, I would love, I would love to see what God's doing in your life in this book. 
I would love to have that hour conversation with you, as long as you give me the hour of football next. But I would love to answer any questions. I would love just to have a fun conversation about the Bible, because I know how amazing this is. I know how incredible it is. And I struggle to be in it daily. It's a discipline. It is hard. But let's change that one out of five, Arbor. We know. We know that this is the best-selling. We know that it's the most quoted. We know it's the most published, the most circulated, most translated, most influential book in the history of mankind. But now let's say that it, between you and me and Arbor, let's say this is the most savored book. Let's be in this daily Arbor and let's see what it does in our lives and the people around us.